Welcome. Welcome back to Rooster and the Villain. We have myself, Mike Steenstra, one of the original Roosters, and James tonight. James, the villain, how are you? I'm doing well, bud. How are you doing? Uh, I'm okay. I'm okay. I, I feel like uh, I get a little seasonal depression right around the fall. Uh, I, I miss summer. I know you're a Michigan guy, so you're kind of like all in on winter, but not me. I, I miss summer. I did golf what? today, though, so... Oh man, yeah, hard, hard, uh, hard missing summer while still being able to golf at the same time it must be terrible. It was only forty five and sunny, so it wasn't uh, you know wasn't great out there. But we do get a lot of sunshine in Maryland, so that I can appreciate. Yeah, what are you uh, what are you pouring there? What do you got got yourself? Because I, I got myself a little KBS going right now, a little Founders Ooh. KBS. KBS. Remember when K- remember when KBS was hard to find? No, like it's I do. like year round on on all shelves everywhere. That's what everywhere. I, I got this. I got a four pack for twenty two bucks, which is a pretty uh, decent deal for a barrel aged stout. And it's actually the only barrel aged stout that my my stomach can handle anymore. I have all these other ones, and like I drink it, and I immediately not immediately next morning I have explosive diarrhea. So now everybody knows that. <laughs> oh, well, Welcome that's uh, yeah. No, I, I was gonna say like last Friday I went to. Uh, um, we have some friends that um, it was her birthday, and she always like does like a, a night out uh, before the holidays. Uh, we went to a brewery which I hadn't been to in a long time um, called One Well. It's a really cool little place in Portage, Michigan. But yeah, I forgot. Like I'd only been really drinking domestic beers and had like a couple of those. I was like, "Woo, this this uh, this hits different." I forgot. You're a domestic beer guy. I've just been, I'm just lazy. I mean, I, I like, I like craft beer. I just, I don't go out of my way anymore to get it. Like it, it's more of a, all right, whatever is cheapest and quickest and accessible. So yes, yes. That sounds, uh, I don't know. I still go out of my way, but I've been buying like cheaper craft beers. I go for like a, like a six pack of IPAs instead of, you know, a four pack that's, that's more expensive, but I've also been drinking a little less, which I know you have as well. So Pat's on the yep, back. Getting, getting, uh, we're getting ready for sober January. I only can imagine what uh, what our podcast is going to sound like when none of us are drinking. I bet you there's going to be more rants and more grumpiness. but It'll be grumpier probably, yeah. I guess I forgot I agreed to sober January. I guess I got to come through on that now, yeah. I, I, I'm excited about it. It should be fun. It'll be good. It's a, it's a good month. It's a good month, yeah. All right, so let's uh, – we, we, Talked around it a little bit so far. I uh, haven't touched soccer yet, so let's let's get God, there. I don't know if you want to start with the MLS. I I think that's I think that's a great place to start. Like I was, I I, I when you sent that, you know, I, I was like, what? And I looked it up real quick, and yeah, shocked face, right? Like I, I can't believe, um, I can't believe that they stuck to it. Um, I feel like, I feel like MLS knew that United States Soccer Federation was going to tell them no. But this was just like the first, like first uh, attack, if you will. Um, and I'm sure the next couple of years they're just gonna keep grading away at it. Um, but I'm glad that at least for at least for another season, everybody's in on uh, the U.S. Open Cup. The only the only good thing going in in, uh, in U.S. soccer at, at the top tier. Um, I guess the only thing good thing going that still involves um, as of today MLS teams. So. It's such a wild oh, – I mean, I just can't get enough of all the content around it. It's, MLS just drives me absolutely batshit crazy. 
bunch of billionaires sitting around, closed system, horrible for the game, whatever anyone says. Sure, we have MLS academies pumping out kids going to Europe now. That's a good thing. But, it's, but you know, getting rid of the Open Cup completely stifles NPSL, USL League One, USL Championship, gives these kids – USL League Two even gives these kids a chance to get on a stage against some bigger clubs and – it's just, I hate Don Garber. He hates soccer. He's I, such an animal. I want to know, like, because well, I don't think we'll ever see him. Like, I, and I don't know a single human being that I've ever talked to that said they've been to one. But how many people do you think are going to the MLS next games? Like, where's the what's what's the what's the fandom like here? And maybe there's you know like there are some clubs that aren't you know like. Insert MLS team name too, right? There are some I think like, like I mean, and one other that are independent in the whole league. Okay, yeah, Ooh, shit about MLS next pro. Yeah, no, it's it's terrible. So I, I don't think that anyone's actually going. So that's the uh, I I don't understand it. Like it anyway. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't really pretend to know too much about MLS next pro at this point, but. I like to think I'm fairly plugged into uh, lower league soccer on the internet, and you don't really hear much about it. But maybe that's, you know, maybe that's just the circles that we're uh, rolling around in on Twitter, all nice and nonsense. Yes, it's uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it is a little bit cannibalistic, right? Like, uh, Nice is another one you guys kind of alluded to last time. Like, you know, I don't know what Nice is, or if there's going to be a season, or what teams are going to take part. But I'm sure it will be chaotic, and you know, very much on brand for Nisa come next spring. But, um, yeah, like lower level league soccer is still like at least it piques my interest. Like, uh, I there's nothing appealing about about MLS for me. Like, and like, I, I will be the first person to tell you that the, I've been to two games, one of which was specifically to go see Zlatan, but I don't even have the inkling anymore to go see Messi. Like, I don't care. I just don't like it's, it. It doesn't interest me at all. Um, I, before this announcement wanted to go check out a DC United game, but now I just, I just can't add a, out of pure principle. I'm going to stick with the Bobcats and then uh, check out some blues games. You got to you got oh blues for sure. That one sounds fun. If I come back out in a in a summertime, like I'm definitely making you take me uh, to one of those. Um, but I would say like I know you said it's a little bit of a trek, but maybe at some point you make it out to Loudon United as well. I know there's still like some weird ties with DC or whatever, but um, you know, it's USF. not that far away. It's like within the hour, so I should definitely go check out Loudon United at the USL Championship. I don't think they're very well attended. I've heard the stadium's kind of out in the middle of nowhere, but I'll let you know. I'll, I'll report back. <laughs> uh, I do hope my, – my one hope is that maybe this is good publicity for the Open Cup because I feel like most people are like, what the hell is the Open Cup? Because it hasn't well, really been well covered, and MLS hasn't typically cared at all until later rounds. They've been trying to actively bury it too, right? Like make it yeah. hard to find. Like, yeah, and that's and that's the – that somehow makes it even more attractive to me. Like, clearly, it's something that that Don and and uh, MLS don't uh, don't. It's getting in the way of their of their money making plans with like the League's Cup and all that sort of shit, um, and anything else they're trying to do with Liga Emiki. Like that, like the fact that it pisses them off and is like like a you know 
uh, stuck in their craw. Like that appeals to me even more. So, but it is fun. Like it honestly is. I don't even mind. Like that's. I I look forward to. You know, I wish they started at lower levels, like so we could see. You know, like. <laughs> Can you imagine a USL team versus like an MLS team? Like how much fun that would be? Like just like I know they they probably get crushed, right? I'm not like I'm not saying like Cinderella's everywhere, but like it would it affect or make them you know this this weird like application for hosting fees and all this sort of bullshit. Like fuck that, eat just just you guys are just fucking eat it, man. Like you guys are out there you're talking about pitch quality and but like yo they don't have the right facilities, blah blah blah. You motherfuckers are playing on turf, turf fields. Like shut the fuck up. Go, go play those games. Yeah, I mean, that's what's so cool about the FA Cup is you're seeing Tottenham Hotspur playing a crooked field against Marine with townhouses in the backyard. Like, they don't they don't care. So, so go travel uh, out to Germantown and play the Bobcats and uh, away at the facility. Yeah, the, host, the whole hosting thing's a mess because if an MLS team hosts an Open Cup game, of course it's going to be an empty stadium. Like, no one's going to go out and see – DC United play Pittsburgh Riverhounds because MLS fans in general, like they don't, I don't know, maybe they're not world soccer fans as much as the rest of us, but, but maybe I'm just a Euro snob uh, per per usual. I don't know, but but we can we can move away from this. All I would say is, let's go Bobcats, let's go U.S. Open Cup, catch a game, let's all uh, promote the shit out of that tournament now that Don Garber wants it gone. So let's uh, hop a flight and head across the ocean. Let's talk about Villa first. And I have to be honest, I didn't catch a whole lot of games live this weekend for whatever reason. Even the Tottenham game on Friday, I had to go to a uh, a preschool performance to see, you know, a little Christmas music and some some Santa Claus action. So I only only caught the highlights of that game myself. So. That's why I want to go with Villa first because I don't have a, a whole lot to uh, to go on as far as the game itself for Tottenham. Yeah, I got you. Uh, no, I'm. Uh, I was able to catch a few games. Obviously, the one that made time for was uh, Villa Brentford. Um, and like before we do it, a little uh, shout out for Villa winning the group for Europa Conference League. Um, they tied um, uh, Zrinski Mostar in Bosnia one uh, one. Um, a heavily rotated squad, which was fun. You got to see Philip Marshall play in goal. Um, a couple other guys, uh, you know, Jacob Ramsey, full start, um, coming off the foot injury from the first half of the season. Um, Zaniolo gets his first goal in a Villa shirt. Um, so uh, winning the group, huge. Gives us an extra little bit while those teams drop down from Europa League. Um, IX dropped down from Europa League and they've been getting in better form. You know, they're at least in the conference league stages. They are still like a, a big team. Um, so that'll be fun to see, Same you know, for, uh, Europa into Europa conference, the third place teams drop down into the knockout rounds. Yep. And so the teams that drop down from Europa League play against the teams that finish second in their group. So that's why winning the group is so huge. You just uh, you basically get a buy for for the round. So the games that are played um, in February, um, there'll be a home and away, and you know Villa just kind of sit that out, you know, skip that round. So it, it took two games off of off of their legs, off of their busy um, you know spring schedule. So that was good. Um, good way What's to get into the weekend. Was that? When's the draw for the knockout rounds? So out? they had. 
so the Champions League's done. The draws are out. Um, Europa League is the same situation as Europa Conference League, where the teams that drop down now, they have like the little playoff to narrow down versus the group winners. Um, so those are all drawn, and those games are being played in February, the home and away legs for those. Um, so, yeah, those are that, that's all out there. People can find it. Um, like I said, Villa isn't matched up with anybody because uh, they won their group. Same thing with, uh, I think, with uh, Jake and Brighton because they won their group. They get to avoid an immediate matchup with some of those teams dropping out of the Champions League. So. Yeah, um, all the third place teams here dropping down for from Europa. You can tell me if anybody scares you, okay? Okay, yeah, yeah let's hear uh, it. Olympiakos, which I think the uh, that's a Greek team. Mm-hmm. Greek teams away, it's a little scary environment, but uh, in general, not so scary. Yeah, you have Ajax, uh, Real Batiste from La Liga. SP Batiste, Sturm, Batiste is scary. Sturm Graz. I never even. I don't even know where they're from. Uh, Union Saint Galois, I think that's a League League One squad. Uh, Maccabee Haifa, Servette, Servette, no idea, and Mold, which I think is Swedish. No, it's I'm sure uh, I'm saying that wrong too. Yeah, well, actually, you're right. It is it is Swedish. I think that's where Platon uh, came from. It. Yeah. Know. Uh, no, he did he buy there? I can't remember. It was something like that. He like he grew up playing with one club and then bought. Into like the rival club or something. Like that. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's right. All right. Anyway, yes. No, <laughs> yes. I mean, Ix, Ix is potentially intimidating. You know, I know they're like off form and a bunch of kids, but to like, you know, uh, a, a, a European away night, you know, in the Netherlands, you know, going to that stadium with all that history, that that can be intimidating for sure. So that one would be nerve wracking if we had to do that. But we'll see. I'm I'm excited either way. I think they're playing really well. But anyway, that sets us up. Go ahead. We're in Europe, too. I just want to give Jake a little shout. And, of course, we miss Jake tonight. He's playing a uh, he's playing his own, I guess, a 7, 7v7 game out in El Paso, Texas. But uh, Brighton topped their group in Europa League. So they are through to the knockout rounds, too. So shout out Brighton in Europe. If, uh, if you want to pay attention, that's a great squad to, to look for in Europa League right now. And West Ham also topped their group if you want to be a Premier League stand. And Liverpool. Yeah. Anyway, I'll let you keep talking. No, no, you're good. Um, yeah, so Europe, Europe is uh, is fun, but also done for a couple months as we get into some, you know, some of the other craziness. You know, I know a lot of other leagues have um, time off during the holidays, and the Premier League is like, fuck that. We're going to play more games. So festive fixtures are on. Starting this weekend, you know, um, the next, the next, uh, I was reading an article, the next running, uh, three running games for Villa, um, their opponents combined, uh, standings average is, makes it essentially on, uh, on position, the easiest schedule over the next three games, um, in the entire league, which is what Villa has. They have Sheffield United at home, uh, United away, and then, uh, uh, Burnley at home. Um, United so, away being easy. Uh, it sounds wrong. It does. It, it honestly does. And like, I mean, I, I, they, they're not on form, but they still have a lot of talented players. So it depends on what mood they're in that day. So we'll have to see, but, um, they just, they just know, tied Liverpool nil, nil over the weekend. Yep. Yeah. There's still some tools in there. I mean, I, they still scare me away at old Trafford. I, if I'm, if I'm being completely honest. 
yeah, I mean, it's, it's a thing like all of their weird struggles, if you will, um, largely their Premier League form. Like, they haven't played well, but like they've been getting results. So I don't know if that makes sense. They, you know, they don't look good, but they're still in decent standing. So I wouldn't say they're easy, but, you know, I'd rather be playing away at United um, right now than, you know, away at Arsenal or away at uh, Spurs or away at City. Like, you know, I don't want to go. Um, I don't want to go to Liverpool right now. So having a run of games like that sounds nice. But that's coming off of this weekend. You know, uh, this past weekend we played Brentford, another team that actually had uh, – they just come off of losing to Sheffield United, which is kind of wild. You know, Sheffield have been struggling all season, and Brentford is, you know, last few seasons have been a really talented like – not talented, but, you know, good team, competitive team. And when you know going to Brentford is is difficult. They set up really well defensively, um, and then you know they were able to counterattack really well. I think the first half they really, um, you know, obviously they played really well. They 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 went into halftime with a with a one nothing lead. You know, uh, Villa had a few chances, but Brentford largely, I would say, you know, outplayed them in the first half. Um, and then right right before halftime, there was a, a corner kick came in. Ball sort of squirted out, and um, Alex Moreno, make, you know, he's starting to get playing time again, started this game, and ball was coming out, and he went just to reach to kick it, and the other guy, you know, tried hard, got to it, and then kicked it in the back of the net. So Brentford up one nothing. Um, wasn't super impressed. It seemed like, yeah, they were kind of uh, kind of the better team for a lot of that, that first half until that red card happened What by Ben Mee in the 71st. Yeah, going into that second half, you know, we started to play better. Really ran out of ideas. Like we made some changes. Like Duran and Zaniolo came on, and um, and then yeah, starting with the Ben Me red card, everything kind of went wild. The last twenty minutes of that game were were intense for lots of reasons. Um, but uh, yeah, Ben Me rushed blood to the head. Like I mean, it's luck. It, like I think it was more the fact that he made contact was bad, right? But he barely got Bailey. I think it was just more about like the the implication, like the speed he was running at, like where he could have caught him. That was a leg breaker. He catches him, you know, square. So um, that's it. I think they said that was Ben Mee's like first or second red card. Like, I, he hadn't had a red card in like 10 years or something like that. So um, anyway, yep. He gets a red card six minutes later, come down, get the ball out wide to Bailey, cuts back on his left foot and then plays it all the way across. And Alex Marino makes up for his, like, like I said, Alex Marino largely, did not impress me. He did not take the the job away from Luca Dean um, long term, you know, with this game. But he redeemed the goal he gave up. You know, uh, gets his first goal for Villa as well. Um, first Premier League goal, uh, backdoor header, one uh, one game on. Um, you know, and we have some other chances. Durant uh, Durant uh, has a shot go wide, um, and then. Uh, um, I was blanked on who who scored the goal. Um, Oh, I'm sorry, Ali Watkins, yeah. So, like, uh, again, uh, um, ball coming in. uh, I think it was Kamara kind of flicked it on um, across, and um, Ali Watkins is right there just to tap in header from the six-yard line. Um, Make 2-1, I think it was the 82nd minute or something like that. And immediately, you know, out of character, like, Ali is usually, like, He's a competitor, right? But he's also usually, you know, pretty level-headed, um, pretty respectful. Walks directly in the goal, and you can see him like 
intentionally pointing at a fan like who uh, I find out after the game, right? This guy has been verbally abusing him, um, but like points at the fan and to which Brentford defenders don't know what's going on. They take offense to him, you know, quote unquote taunting, calling out somebody in the Brentford crowd. So they come in and all of a sudden melee happens. Uh, I think coming out of it, um, uh, Gatos and uh, Ezri Kansa both get a, uh, a yellow card and that's the end of it. But, you know, tension, right? Um, yeah, that's pretty wild ending, actually. There's like a lot of uh, a lot of feistiness yep. at the end there. Well, the, so with uh, I think it was in just after the 90th minute, with, but there's still like five or six minutes left in um, stoppage time. Leon Bailey from in from from Brentford's half goes to play a long ball back to Emmy Martinez, but catches him like out. Martinez has to like slide to like save it out, and as he's standing there, um, you know, Mope runs by, gives him a little shove. You know, Emmy makes a meal out of it, but like, just like this was like a epic battle of the titans when it comes to football shithousery. Uh, Neil Mope and and Emmy Martinez. Yeah, Um, yeah. that set the stage for a few minutes later. There's a kick. Uh, Mope standing there. Emmy walks by intentionally, gives him a shove in the back. Mope makes a meal of it, and then Emmy. This is where Emmy needs to do better. And like, this is I I will put this all on 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 Emmy and 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 Booba. But Emmy like goes over, tries to like, you know, drag him back up to his feet, and all of a sudden, you know, people face to face shouting, blah blah blah. Emmy's like, "What? What would I do?" Like, I mean, stupid, just stupid, man. Just play. You you have the lead. Finish out. Come in the in the chaos. <coughs> Kamara gets a red card, put in his hands on a player's neck. Again, stupid. You see him again, and Emery, you know, shouting everyone, you know, keep their head, keep their head. Um, you know, the Kamara red card hurts like he's very important to our defense like luckily the next three games aren't like we just mentioned too difficult but really stupid the game ends uh 2-1 it's a win it's a way win you know and and i'm glad that we got it but some of the stuff around it like i wasn't super pleased with like you know these are we can't we can't have that sort of like rashness like there's all these guys, most of these guys on our team, we bought at prime rage, right? Like they're they're guys that have been in the, like playing professional football for a while. You got to be smarter than that. Like we don't have a lot of like young dumb kids or you know anything like that, and and that was disappointing. But um, it was, I was happy to get the win. You guys so, are one point off the, the the top right now, which is still just absolutely mind blowing. Sitting on thirty eight points. Your goal differential is a little bit worse than Liverpool and Arsenal, but not by much. You're at 16, Liverpool's at 21, 38 yep. points tied with you guys, and then Arsenal's 39 points with a plus 20 goal differential. Yep. Arsenal and Liverpool seem to be, you know, the, as far as the uh, looks test goes, maybe a little better than Villa, but you never know. Like, you're, you're right there. I think you guys maybe are a little thinner squad wise than they are but you just keep winning games yeah i i would agree i think man-to-man talent wise i would say that but i i also don't think we're 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 not like we are a pretty deep team all things considered i'm not i'm not saying i'm not gonna say we're shallow i'd say that we have competition for almost every spot in our starting 11 but we'll address that in a different conversation later um I think that, you know, Arsenal, like I said, I think Arsenal largely outplayed us, but we were able to get a win that showed toughness. And then earlier in the season, yeah, we, we played Liverpool. Uh, they walked us. It was 3 nothing. Um, I think that was at Anfield. Uh, it had to have been at Anfield because um, we still got the home win streak going. So um, we'll get Liverpool at home. Um, 
but yeah, both those teams are playing fantastic football right now. Um, and I, I don't, I don't take any flack about Man City seriously until after the New Year when the. Uh, um, I saw the Bruyne is back in training. That scared me yeah, a little bit. I the, don't like that. The, the, the night the, the night king will, will arise and they'll begin their march towards uh um, towards the south here yeah um over the next couple months but they they are not dead by any means either yeah yeah it'd be a pretty safe money bet at this point even how far are they off the uh the pace right now i think there's they three or four points, points off, the, off the pace which yeah. to be honest is better than anyone would have would have guessed they tied yeah. Crystal Palace on the weekend, fantastic. I mean, you see Roy Hodgkin, uh, he laughed in Pep Guardiola's face. It was just – I think they, they came back in that game too. I think I think City was – They were down. down. No, Palace was down 2-0 and then Palace fought back. And shout-out to Chris Richards, uh, USMNT center back, playing center defensive midfield the last couple games for Palace and doing quite well in the role. So, yeah, good on you, Palace. Good on you. So Liverpool plays Arsenal this weekend. So there's a chance that that game ends in a tie. You guys beat Sheffield United, top of the table, 18 games let's, in. Same baby. Let's uh, let's start with uh, let's start with Friday. Like I, it, it feels like a trap game for all of the reasons, right? Like we have we just set our our record for home win streak in a row. Like you know by getting through. City and Arsenal, it would be some sort of soccer poetic justice that our first loss would be Sheffield United. So let's uh, just focus yeah. on let's just focus on taking care of business. Like obviously, like I said, Kamar, losing Kamara is going to hurt. Um, luckily, we do have some good depth. Uh, um, hopefully, people are back healthy. Um, I think uh, Douglas Luiz we get back. I uh, I'm not sure if Tielemans is back yet or not, but. Yeah, let's just take care of business and, and, and go from there. What's up? Because uh, Yori had a kind of a tough transition into Villa, but it's, it does seem like he's kind of reintroducing himself into the squad. I think he got a bunch of Conference League games in early, and now is kind of making his way onto the field a, a bit more. Seems a little happier there, at least, right? Yeah, I think that you know, largely it was him coming into the system, and you know, the other guys had a eight month head start on him as far or whatever it was with uh, seven eight months with with Unai, um, getting comfortable with what he was expecting and those sort of things. And I think that um, you know, Tillman's got the opportunity to like kind of work his way in. Um, but you see, because he he was doing it at the same time that Leon Bailey was fighting for time, and you saw both of them sort of hit form together at the same time. Their connection on the field right now is fantastic, um, and and you know when healthy, uh, you know Yuri had kind of uh, beaten Zaniolo off that starting spot. Um, he was playing kind of that center attacking mid or that attacking mid, uh, allowing um, McGinn to kind of roam up high a little bit, and then Dougie and booba to sit deeper it is a weird unorthodox 442 that we run um you know people are kind of doing some different things and it's it's flexible and sort of amoebic and with some of the talent that we have you know whether Kanza's is playing right back or maddie cash is right back you know maddie cash started at like right mid with louise out against brentford just like different different ways they attack stuff and he's not afraid to admit when he's got the wrong formation and change so it's been good, man. I, I, I like. I am just happy, and and hopefully we continue to go forward. And you know, 
the calendar's gonna get really busy again. It always does at the turn of the year. So yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to watch you guys march through Europe in the same time in, in February. Do you have any uh, Afcon players out for a couple months? Or do you guys not have that just, problem? Just one, and he hasn't really played a whole lot. But like he did prove himself valuable was uh, uh, Bertrand Traore. Um, you know he is still uh, part of the team. Um, had a couple actually big goals um, in the second half of last year as we were making some of that run. He had an incredible goal against Leicester City, um, like a left-footed curler. He does have that ability to, you know, turn it on and, and change a game, um, especially, you know, when we're talking about congested schedule and needing to rotate guys and eventual injuries and stuff like that. But um, he's the only one currently on our roster that uh, will be missing. Is that a yearly tournament? I'm, I'm brain farting every, on that. Every, every other year. Gotcha. Yeah, it's going to be a, uh, a problem for the Tottenham Hotspur. And when you said you guys might drop one to Sheffield United, I thought in my head it would be awfully spursy of you, uh, of you guys to do that. But <laughs> you know, that's why you play the games. Well, speaking so, of Spurs. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's talk about it a little bit. Like, like I mentioned earlier, I had a little schedule conflict, but I've done – I watched the extended highlights, and then I've done a, a fair bit of reading about the game. So as far as I know, Steve Cooper got fired after that game. I know that part. Uh, so it's not, you know, happy trail, Steve Cooper. I'm sorry uh, we took your job. You could also blame Matt Turner for that a little bit, but we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> it sounded like uh, the first half was less than stellar for Tottenham. Forrest outplayed them. The extended highlights showed a, a bunch of good chances for Forrest. But then right as uh, stoppage time happened in the 45th minute, 45th plus one, Kulisevsky hit a ball in, and Richarlson, who all of a sudden finally is red hot, gets a ball with his head. You know, he scores most of most of his goals with his head outside of last game. But a beautiful ball in by, by Kulisevsky, Tottenham Hotspur up 1-0 at halftime. There's also a substitution. Brennan Johnson got a concussion pretty early in the game. I think it's like right around the 32nd minute. And they sent Oliver Skip on onto the pitch. And I have to talk to my buddy Ian from MoCo Spurs. And Ian wants to come on the podcast. we got to get him on. So he's coming sure. on very soon. He's uh, British, so you know he knows his shit way better than I do. <laughs> but, uh, I'm going to talk to him because I'm really curious how that that worked because Oliver Skip came on for Brennan Johnson. So you had Skip, Basuma, Sar all on the field. I, I guess maybe Kulisevsky moved out right. And then I guess Skip maybe played in that number 10 role. I don't know. I don't know what, what happened there. But Oliver, Oliver Skip came onto the field. And uh, we, we still have Ben Davies. We got a, you know, a patchwork back line with Ben Davies on the left. Uh, Romero miraculously still in absolutely deserved red card last game, but still in that, that back line, Udogi picked up a yellow out for next game, uh, against Everton. So I don't know what the hell they're going to do at left back. Cause Davies is maybe, maybe Dyer comes back in and Davy goes out wide left. I don't know what's going to happen there, but how long is, uh, uh, on out for? Oh, I just read that today actually. So, Sessignon is out in perpetuity. He picked up another knock in, in training, another setback. So that poor kid cannot see the field for, for anything. 
I don't. I guess that's the only really option is to to put Davies out wide and Dyer back in the lineup. Who's back in? Unless you play one of the young guys. Uh, I think Darrington Dorrington is a uh, center back. I could be wrong on that, but um, let's move along. But uh, so Basuma later in the game also picked up a red, so he'll be out till after Afcon. We're going to lose Sar for AFCON. Uh, we don't get Mickey Vandeven back till January. Madison's is coming back around the same time frame. And this all plays well into the conversation we're going to have later about uh, wish, lists, wish lists, lists and transfers. Um, trying to think. Oh, uh, Benton Kerr out till February. So, you know, we're still just dealing with all these injury problems, but at the same time, uh, Kulisevsky scores a goal in the 65th minute against a, a Matt Turner horrible, horrible pass out of the back. Just passed it right to Tottenham, like right outside the 18. Gives up a goal near post, hits off his hand and right into the goal. Awful goal. Awful. It made me completely change my opinion on Matt Turner. I don't want him anywhere near the USMNT goal anymore. But it was good I- for Tottenham. Two wins in a row. We'll take it. We're sitting in fifth on 33 points right behind City. And all of a sudden, it's looking a little rosier again. But we play Everton uh, at home. But like I said, we're just we're just trying to, to last till January at this point. We have so many so many injuries. I don't know what's going to happen in the back line with Udogi out, Basuma out. I guess Skip's going to play next to Saar. You might see Hoybier in the starting lineup again. So they're definitely in shambles a little bit. We play Everton, then Brighton, then Burnmouth in the uh, festive fixtures here. So, yeah, that I think is, even, that's a tough stretch. Like, honestly, yeah, on, on form right now, Bournemouth and Everton are both incredible form. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I have to kind of admit, I, I kind of like Everton. Uh, I like catching them in bits and pieces again. With the points deduction, it's kind of see. It's kind of fun to see their uh, resurgence. Jimmy's they'd, be, uh, that. they'd be even on points with uh, Brighton right now if uh, if it wasn't for that. So yeah, I mean, we do catch them at home, but yeah, we're we're so depleted right now. I wouldn't be surprised to see us drop points in really all three of these games, which would be <laughs> very Spursy. But you never know. They're still playing, uh, you know, second half, fun football. Everyone believes in Ainge. It's nice to see him back uh, in the winning column again. So I really have no complaints. I, I am enjoying the season. And uh, shout out to MoCo Spurs, too, because people are supporting and showing up to, to Saints Row. And we, it's fun to uh, commiserate in the losses and, and celebrate the wins with a bunch of people. So that's been fun. For sure. Yes, so should we give Jake's – is he going to send us a little audio about Brighton? Did we hear? Yeah, he said he would uh, do a little little blurb that you can throw in here oh, somewhere. I'm throw it in right here, 35 minutes. Hey, what's up, guys? Um, sorry I was not on the main podcast. I was playing for my five-a-side team tonight. Um, I'm sure everyone's heard the term a cold, rainy night in Stoke. Well – I was unfortunately not able to do it on a cold, rainy night in Horizon. Um, almost ripped myself in a place I shouldn't be ripping myself slipping on that turf. So 
uh, still fun nonetheless. Um, not quite sure what Mike and Jimmy got into uh, in the actual pod, but I will do my best to cover the Brighton side of things, uh, fill you in with my top five of my transfer wish list for January, as well as a little rant at the end of this. I'll try to keep it short and sweet, and uh, so that way Mike doesn't have to attach too much, our fearless executive producer. Thank you, Mike. Um, so I'll start off with the Brighton-Marseille match, because um, that's the better of the two. Uh, Brighton go top of the table and do not have to play in the playoff round of the Europa League. They go straight into the round of 16, I believe. Um, it was an 88th-minute winner by Jao Pedro, who came in or who ended up subbing out pretty much right after that. Um Fantastic game all around. We we controlled the game from the get-go. Uh, 61% of the ball, 547 passes compared to 314. Uh, De ball looked real good. The, the finishing touch wasn't really there till the end, but uh, Pedro remains extremely clutch in these, uh, in these Europa League matches that we've played. I believe he's still the... Uh, either the joint top goal scorer or the top goal scorer. A lot of those are from PKs, but... Clutch is clutch, and I can't complain. Um, Billy Gilmore was absolutely phenomenal. Um, he's been proving himself in these games as well. Uh, 89 out of 92 passes for 97%. Um, had a shot on target, one chance created. The The guy is just amazing as that deep-line playmaker. Uh, Gross played beside him, got the assist on the goal. He's just as steady as ever. Um, very, very excited finishing. If they would have, if they would have drawn with Marseille, uh, they would have finished second in the table and could have faced the uh, the likes of some of those teams coming down from the Champions League, which I really didn't want to do. Round of sixteen is good money for the club, and um, I'm very, very excited to see who they get matched up with. So we'll move on to the more depressing part of the two games. Um, Arsenal two, Brighton zero. Um, that was probably, uh, the most nerfed I've ever seen Brighton look in the Deserby era. It was, it was just a totally weird game. Um, you know, we still had the more, more of the ball, but at 51%. So it was pretty much even on that few more passes than Arsenal, but just couldn't get anything going, trying to pass out of the back like we do. Uh, just wasn't working. Um, nobody looked really good in that game. Uh, Fop Mob didn't really rate anybody highly. Um, probably our best player was Lewis Dunk. Um, just looking amazing. Save blocking shots with his face and uh, his balls. Um, that looked extremely painful, both of them. But um, yeah, the guy's a stud. Gareth Southgate needs to be taken notice. He should absolutely be the starter for England. Um, the rotation's kind of killing us uh, for these for these European matches, for these cup matches. The the rotation's looking uh, a little rough. People are looking tired. You know, when Lallana has had to fill in like he did in this game, he has not looked sharp. They subbed him off at 60 minutes. Um, Deserby said it best, I think, uh, Brighton, or I mean, Arsenal is probably 
the best team in the league right now um, with Villa and Liverpool probably fighting for that second place spot. Uh, Arsenal looks really good. The emergence of Kai Havertz after everybody was talking shit. Um, to to, uh, to put it in terms for the kids, they wrote him off, but he didn't write back. Um, yeah, Havertz just looked fantastic. Declan Rice obviously is a stud. And, uh, you know, we, we, we fought super hard in the first half. First time I think we've had a clean sheet in the first half all season. And then right as the, right as the second period started, essentially 53rd minute, uh, we just completely forget to mark Gabriel Jesus, Jesus on a corner kick and just ended up looking silly all alone, easy header in. Um, Gross missed probably our best chance, definitely our best chance of the game. Um, I heard people saying that if he had made it, the whole game changes. And I mean, I, I'm I'm pretty prone to believe that myself. I, I think we probably would have held on for a draw at that point. I think that miss just kind of put the dagger in us and we were done at that point. And then, yeah, have her scoring in the 87th minute off a corner or off a, off a counter attack. Um, didn't look great in that. I think everyone's just tired at this point. Uh, we have Crystal Palace on tomorrow, actually, Thursday. Or for whenever you're listening to this, we have Crystal Palace on Thursday. Uh, that's an absolute must win, in my opinion. Uh, this season's going to be really hard. It's going to continue to be hard. But winning games like that against the rivals in the probably the most long-distance derby in the league. I'm not going to say derby. Most long-distance derby in the league. Uh, you have to win that. And uh, put Methuselah and those dorks from London in their place. Um, so as far as that goes, it's almost silly season, and I'm sure I'm pretty sure that Jimmy and Mike did their top five wish lists. And even if they didn't, I'm going to do mine. Um. So so far, I have uh, two OLIs, pretty much because they couldn't. It really wouldn't happen. I don't believe. Uh, number one is Ansu Fati. Uh, I know Barcelona's hurting for money. They're sending their guys. I think they played today, and then they're playing in America tomorrow in like a friendly, and they're bringing the whole first team for just to make money off it. If there was some way to get him on the cheap and lower his wages, I would absolutely love to do that. Uh, I don't think he's worth the money he is right now, uh, being as injury-prone as he is. Phenomenal player, but made a glass. Uh, that Tyreek Lamptey syndrome. Um, my other OLI is was supposed to be a joke, and it doesn't really land well with no one here to react to it, but it's uh, Lionel Messi, because fuck MLS, which you guys will probably hear in my rant. Uh, but moving on, number fifth, uh, number five is Emile Smith-Rowe uh, from Arsenal. Not getting a lot of playing time, and... Uh, I think he would be excellent in that Brighton midfield. Um, I'm not sure what his price would be, but um, I think he would be an excellent player, and I think Deserby would make uh, would make him work within our system, and I think he'd be really good for us as that 10 role. Uh, my number four is uh, Giacomo Raspadori. He is a... Uh, 
he's a striker for Napoli. He's not getting a lot of run, obviously, because of uh, it's kind of hard to get play um, in that lineup right now, especially with uh, what's his face in front of him. I can't even remember the guy's name. Ozzyman. It's kind of hard to get play at that striker position with Ozzyman ahead of you. Uh, the guy wants more playing time. He could be good either on a loan or as a permanent deal. Um, super fast guy. And I believe he has, yeah, he has experience with Deserby at Sassuolo. My number three, and again, this one uh, would probably make Jimmy, or I believe Jimmy would have comments on it, and Mike would probably support this one, uh, Giovanni Reina. Um, obviously, it's not working out at Dortmund. Uh, he's not getting a lot of playing time. Uh, he would be fantastic under Deserby, in my opinion. I would love to see that guy, that guy do well, and then you automatically get some American interest uh, in the club, for better or for worse. Maybe they can get on freaking Peacock for once, as opposed to me having to use um, not-so-legal streams to get USA, because I refuse to get cable. Um, my number two is Carlos Soler. Uh, I was a big Valencia fan, or I am a big Valencia fan. I've kind of tuned out in the same way Jimmy's tuned out or tuned out United in the wake of the Glazers. Um, an equally bad owner, in my opinion, and Peter Lim has made me lose a lot of interest in Valencia by watching Carlos Soler there. Dude was fantastic. Excellent midfield, that deep lying puppet master, or he can go on the attack. Uh, great free kick taker as well. He's been struggling for minutes at PSG. Uh, I believe he could be bought for cheap from PSG if they're trying to offload him. And then my number one um, is Valentin Barco, who I believe of all of these is the most likely to make it happen. Brighton's already said they're willing to pay his release clause. I think they're in the contract discussion point at this time. Um, He's played left mid for Boca Juniors in that 4-4-2 that they sometimes run, but I believe at Brighton he will be a left back, and we desperately need a left back or any sort of fullback at this point. Yeah, so those are uh, those are my five guys that I would like to see join uh, this January. Um, I'm not sure any of – other than Barco, I don't think any of those other ones really had that big of a chance, but – those are some guys I would like to see. And then finish it up with a rant. I'm sure you guys have heard the news already. MLS is withdrawing their teams from the U.S. Open Cup. Um, MLS has been trying to pretend that they're the only league in the United States for a really, really long time. Pulling out allows them to do that as well. Um, they can talk about it being an issue with field quality for these lower league sides or, you know, too many games or anything like that. But I, I just don't understand why you would leave that. Well, I guess I do. I mean, people can, people can blame it on Apple saying, you know, well, we're not carrying these games. We want your stars. Stop sending your stars to other places where we're not going to have the rights to it. I can see that, but I also just believe MLS wants to pretend that they're the only league on the in the country. And if they don't, if you don't have to show your teams playing against 
Sacramento Republic or El Paso Locomotive. And then someone saying, well, who are those teams? Where do they play? They can continue to pretend like they're the only league. Um, I saw that USSF had made the comment that they needed to play their teams. I don't know. I know that the deal with USSF getting money from MLS ended a year or so ago. Um, It'll be interesting to see how forceful they get. Um, I believe to be considered Division I, you have to play in the domestic cup. And it would be absolutely hilarious to see them have their Division I status taken away. I'm sure it wouldn't stop them from doing what they're doing, but it would be funny nonetheless. Um, Like whoever your clubs are, it doesn't matter what league they're in. Just don't be a league defender. It's weird. Um, I know I talk a lot about USL being great, but that's more so about the clubs that are in USL that make it fun, the the cultures around those clubs and stuff like that. I I don't like MLS as a product, but I like that people have clubs near them that they can root for, and I'm glad that it's somewhat accessible through streaming for people to watch those games and watch their clubs. Um, so that'll pretty much end it for me. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed. It's kind of weird talking into the void, but I'm glad you guys stuck it out if you did stick it out. And hopefully I can be back with the lads next time. Uh, up the Albion, beat Palace. Roy Hodgson's old as shit. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Jake, for all that delightful information. I have no idea what you said, but... What did Brighton just I thought do? It was, Arsenal I thought it was very insightful and 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 also uh, very delusional. That, that was my note. Delusional, yeah. Deserby yeah. is a monster. <laughs> He's the next Graham Potter. He's gonna go. Bring check. back Graham. Bring back Potter. We want Potter. <laughs> oh, he's got a good one too. Palace. This uh, on the he 20th. hates Palace. It's tomorrow. Win. Oh, you're right. That is tomorrow. Chris Richards is going to score a goal and break your heart, Jake. I don't care about Chris. But yeah. Okay. All right. Let's move along. We've got to move along now. Along now. So what are we talking? Wish lists? Yes. Uh, wish lists. So this is more like uh, we've been doing top fives lately, and, and those are fun, and we'll get back to those when we're all three together. Um, but today we're going to talk through what our – um, we're going to call it our January wish list. Um, I like, uh, I changed my, I, I went with the idea of these are like the five things that I think that Villa needs to address as a whole. Um, and I don't think that any of them are super necessary for January unless somebody gets hurt in the next three games. Um, but that's kind of how I approached it. So I don't know. Uh, I'll mention some names of people that I might have in mind, but, uh, I don't know if any of it's going to actually happen in January. Sure. Yeah, I have less names, more just uh, general squad filling areas that we need to to address definitely in January. I'll let you start, though. All right. So I think the biggest thing that Villa needs to start looking at, um, and it's never been more evident than the last couple of weeks, um, we need to address the goalkeeping succession plan. And, and I say that um, – uh, saying I like Robin Olsen, but he's not the future. And frankly, uh, as a backup, he's not really the present. Um, you know, Marshall was, was fun to see on Thursday in Bosnia, but 
Um, you know, I think that if it, it's a very real possibility that Emmy might decide he wants to, even if we make Champions League, that he wants to move on. Um, he has very, very high ambitions. Like, he's a World Cup winner. He just won the Yashin Award for best goalkeeper in the world. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see a team like Bayern Munich or or uh, somebody of that ilk. He that starts to look like a Saudi guy, personally. I no, he wants to win. He wants to win shit. He like he on like it's he wants to play for league titles. Do it for him? No, it does not. It shouldn't do it for anybody. Uh, <laughs> he wants to play in you know Champions League. He wants to win Champions League. He wants to win leagues. Um, and hopefully, you know, I think this year we're fine, but we need to address it because he has been, he's been incredible and, uh, we don't really have anything behind him. So number one for me was address the goalkeeper succession plan. Yes. Yes. That, uh, Emmy Martinez as a non Aston Villa fan is definitely polarizing. Oh, for sure. Definitely a showboating asshole. So I could see him moving on. But even but 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 let's all right. Let's play a hypothetical here. Say you guys win the league. Is he if stay? we win the league this if we win the league this year, oh. I mean I think that you have a way better argument. I think that you might be able to buy another year out of him, right? Because you're like, hey, we just have we just won the league title. You're so you're playing on the best team, like quote unquote, the best team in the Premier League. And next year for sure, you're playing in the Champions League. I think that's a sell. I think that if we make Champions League this year we will push very hard. Like we're going to have to like show him like, Hey, you know, this is, you know, you know, we, uh, we're in champions league next year and this is what our plan is for the summertime. Give us one more year, like type thing. Um, but it's going to take that to, to, I think to keep him. Um, sure. And, yeah. So. Yeah. Where was he before you guys? Arsenal for 10 years. He was there 10 years. Was he playing? He played. So this is what happened. Is um, I can't remember who. The, I think it was Burn Leno, who's now at Fulham, um, got hurt. He was like their everyday keeper for Arsenal, um, and Emmy had been there for a long time. Never really got a shake. I think he was like twenty seven, twenty eight, and Leno got a long term injury, and Emmy played basically the second half of the season for Arsenal and like played some really good games, like balled out and got like hot and arsenal's like all right well we don't really need you so they sold him to villa for like 25 mil or something like that or 20 25 mil i can't remember what it was um price tag he must have played well cashed in on him you know at that age and and he's just continued to play really well so uh smart investment for villa especially you know for forest matt turner is terrible i've heard great All right, so my um, I'll say let's let's venture back into August and and look at the Tottenham Hotspur lineup and everything's pretty solid when everybody's healthy. The problem is everyone's getting hurt, or you have Christian Romero going studs up every third week and getting red cards. So <laughs> Nicky Van Ven and Romero are a nice. Center back pairing. You put them next to Poro on the right, Yudogi on the left. Beautiful back line. But the fact of the matter is, Ben Davies should never be starting in the Tottenham back line again. Eric Dyer should never be starting in the Tottenham back line again. So they need to address that. There's rumors for a Nice player, a Frenchman named uh, Jean Claire Todibo, 
don't know much about him, but that's kind of the the, the rumor out there right now, and they so, definitely need depth at center back. Absolutely. Barca guy came up through Barca. Um, I think he was through La Masia. Um, but yeah, uh, French player, um, solid player. He's uh, he didn't really fulfill it early on with Barca, which is why they were able to like move him on. Um, but he's playing really well at Nice. He's finally realizing some of the potential, so I'm not surprised to hear his name. It's interesting, though, like, you know, Van de Ven went healthy and Romero went healthy are pretty top-tier center backs, I would think, in the Premier League. So I do wonder if they're going to have a hard time convincing a center back of, of any quality at all to, to agree on personal terms and, and come in there. If anybody's ever watched a Spurs game, they know that they're going to at least play every, you know, they're going to play like probably 20 games a year just because Romero's going to be suspended or you right. know, or something. So they're right. like, oh, yeah, job security. Um, yeah. I, 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 I don't think it Not at some point. It's it's tired. Stop running into people full force. Stop getting red cards, you fucking moron. So, <laughs> yeah. Send it back. All right. We need somebody. <clears throat> All right. So the second one on my list is, like might be surprising, but I say it because of the age of the guys that are there right now. But the second one for me is a left back succession plan. And, um, you know, we just bought Moreno last January. Um, he's a good player, but he's like 29, 30. Like he's, he's older. <laughs> um, I think Luca Dean is 30 or 29, 30, somewhere in there, same, around the same age. And, you know, the way Moreno had played before he got hurt in April or whatever it was last year, um, they were basically like, yeah, Luca Dean, we're going to move him on in the summertime. We'll, uh, we'll sell him. Um, the Moreno injury kind of meant that we had to keep him um, just long enough that Moreno would get healthy again. But the way he's played, you know, he's playing really well. That's all well and good. Um, again, behind that, um, there's not a lot that really sticks out. So if we're able to find somebody, you know, young, you know, now's the time to do like the, the Brighton buy, right? Like the 19, 20 year old that can afford to like come in and be part of the first team and do the trainings, but uh, not be on the pitch all the time. I think that's going to be really important. Uh, as you talk about, we build this for more than just this year. Um, so left back succession plan was the second one that I identified. Um, I don't really have any names for you there. I'm sure somebody will come up Um Again, not somebody that we really need in January, but if it if it's open, you know, if it's like a John Duran type purchase, like we made from the fire last year, then then go for it. Um, but uh, yeah, that one's a good one. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. My my second one is it's interesting because you know we have Madison in that playmaking number ten role. He's so hard to replace. I think when he went down. You saw such a massive hole in Tottenham's attack. But now Kulusevsky is kind of coming from the right wing, filled in. Then you see Brendan Johnson on the right wing. Brendan Johnson's fast. He shows flashes. But I think we need a little more depth from uh, from a playmaking perspective in that, that number 10 or right wing role. So that's kind of like what I'd, I'd like to see them target. Um at least someone to come in that's young to maybe push Brennan Johnson to, to score a little more. Um, I, but, but other than that, like like I said earlier, like, I'm pretty happy with Tottenham when, when healthy, so it is hard for me to to, to really push for, for a transfer. But I think I, I would like, like a little bit more depth over there. 
Same, same note too in, in general as we talk through all of this like again I'm pretty happy with where Villa's at like with the squad and the squad depth um a lot of my stuff is more like looking towards the future um it was hard yeah. for me to be like you know full health and everything else like I really want to get rid of this guy <laughs> I don't I don't really have that right now but yeah um number three for me going to the other side of the defense and maybe not so much succession plan is just addressing what our options are. Um, you know, it's, it has been strange, not strange, but like, uh, you know, interesting to see tactically what we do, um, versus certain teams, whether Maddie cash is out there at right back, or if he gets put in the field as like a midfielder and Kanza is the right back. Um, we've seen Diego Carlos play pretty well in the center back pairing with Pau Torres but Kanza was also killing it at that right uh, right center back role um, before he started getting pushed out to right back. I think that long like I like Matty Cash. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think that Emery I do not sees like Matty Cash at all for the record. Well, you're you're a Spurs fan. I, I get it. Um, yeah, I think there's uh, we we talked about this. It is all in the eye of the beholder and personal biases and all that sort of stuff. I did not see anything malicious. It was just reckless. I think there's a difference between like a guy who is like he's out there, clumsy, like he's just a clumsy guy. We can both agree on that. It, 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 <laughs> and, and honestly, like it's a little bit skill, right? Like I, I think that Maddie's gotten a lot better underneath Unai, um, but he might not just be it. So like I think that you know, looking at another option for like a more traditional style right back. Um, allowing us to have a little more rotation at the center back spot with with Diego and, and Ezra and um, Pau Torres and eventually Tyrone Mings. Like the more like those guys are all like right around thirty or in past. So like uh, you know if we're gonna be able to run this back with those guys for you know next two three years, they're gonna start need more more rotation to keep them healthy. So I'd rather keep them there. And have a more traditional option at right back, somebody to push either push cash or take over for cash. Um, but I would rather I'd rather have it be a younger person pushing cash, so we can continue to build on them. But addressing that right back and what that looks like is is number three for me. This is actually I hear you. This is Lars. Have you been hearing every cough that I've done in this podcast? Hundred percent. Wow, it is not connected to my uh, mic here. I'm on the uh, the old computer mic. Mm. I, I was hitting mute on this mic every single time, which means I'm going to have a lot more editing to do. Don't don't worry about it. I think I, I don't know the difference that bothers me between, um, like it, none of it bothers me, but like the like coughing versus like like I I, I could tell the last episode. I can hear us turning on and off. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I yeah. I prefer when I'm uh, using my this microphone and, and pressing mute when I'm coughing because then I have to edit less. But yeah, I'm just going to edit more this time. Whatever. I can change. Right. Hang on, just quick. I guess I can't change it while we're rolling. Interesting. It's. It's okay. It's, it is. We're forty minutes, forty only oh, fifty minutes in. Yeah, I mean the audio is what it is at this point. If they're if they're hanging on at this point, it's, but there's yeah. a lot of hacking. So I'm definitely one a bit. But uh, um, so my next position of need, I, I love our center defensive midfield pairing of Basuma Sar, 
It is hard for me to tell us to spend money on center defensive midfields because we've spent so much money there in the past. Or not just center defensive, just center midfields in general. You're talking Lacelso and Dombele, Basuma, Sar, Hoybier. We have Skip there. But AFCON is makes it clear that that we're a little uh, weak there as far as depth is concerned because Basuma Sar Fantastic. I love that pairing. That's our best pairing. Basuma made a, a stupid tackle last game. Sometimes plays a little reckless, kind of like Romero, but an excellent player. I love him. Thanks very much, Jake. Appreciate that from Brighton. But uh, when I see Hoybier suit up, when I see Skip suit up, it doesn't bring me a whole lot of confidence. So I think, you know, bringing in another player of quality, I think you can sell – Hoybier for a good amount of money, even in January. Teams are lining up for Hoybier still. He's still a quality player. If he stays on the squad, he still has a place on, on the on the squad, of course. But skip, play him for these three next three games. Get rid of him. Like 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 Aston Villa did. You know, you sold Cameron Archer for 20, 20 million or whatever it was. I don't even hear his name anymore, but you guys got twenty million off of him. They should have sold Skip right after that uh North City run, but they, they can upgrade in that position, and they, you know, it'd be a very wise thing for them to do again to upgrade there. They need the depth. Yeah, I, I mean, I could see that. I think the um, and I, I never really get too much into the minutia of it transfer wise, but like when you talk about roster construction, when the balance of homegrowns versus uh, international players and stuff like that, like. Unfortunately, that necessitates some of uh, keeping players like Skip or that sort of thing um, for mm-hmm. for balance of, of squad. But um, yeah, I guess I don't really pay attention to those much either. In general, yeah, I mean, I I've read rules around that. I've read I've read the rules and they're they're super dry. But um, again, you know, I read contracts for a living now. So here we are. I read um, yeah, very dry. <laughs> all right so the next one i have on here and um i i put in um another center attacking mid um and i, I just mean somebody who is a midfielder is going to be uh more of a a, a creative type um telemans has been fantastic actually in that role since he's sort of taking it over um making that incisive pass connecting um connecting really mcginn um booba and douglas louise um he almost tucks in a little bit and allows like either Moreno or, or Luca Dean to kind of run over the top. Um, but you know, I, you know, if we talk about succession plan, I'm not naive to the idea that somebody might come in and offer a ridiculous amount of money for Dougie Louise in the summertime. Um, and even if he goes, I think that there's a, a spot, you know, the way we play our four, four, two, it can almost be a little more diamond like at times. And that's where Kamara is at the, the base of the diamond, um, McGinn is usually out out on the right hand side um, uh, as a right mid, and Doug Louise is kind of like the left mid. Um, and uh, either Zaniolo or uh, now Tielemans has been sort of that attacking mid player. You know, if uh, Dougie goes, it allows um, Tielemans to drop back into that sort of left side of the diamond. Um, and we're going to need somebody else in that attacking mid role. And I say that, you know, I, I, I say that full well knowing that at some point, Emmy Buendia is going to be back, um, you know, next season he can also play in that position really well. 
Jacob Ramsey, he's one of our own, um, is coming back fully healthy. He can play in that position. Um, but, you know, depth there to keep uh, some of that rotation for for our midfield as we build forward is going to be important. So I think just having another creative player in that space could be, you know, really impactful for us. So I have a, another center midfielder, center attacking midfielder. It was interesting against Brentford. It seemed like you guys had a hard time breaking down that uh, that low block type of deal. I felt like I was watching an old Tottenham Hotspur game. And you were For missing sure. some of that creativity in the final third. So it actually, I mean, obviously it helped. Um, it helped having the player uh, Ben Me go off. But, you know, tactically, the other change he made was uh, moving to uh, a back three, which basically created Leon Bailey as the right wing back. Uh, Moreno moved up to the left wing back. And that's what created that width on the first goal where uh, Bailey played the ball all the way across to Moreno for the, for the header goal. Um, so I like that we have players of tactical flexibility. I think that it's important to roster construction. Um, but yeah, having somebody else that can be that, that connector piece. I think Telemans is super good at it. Doug Louise is good at it. McGinn has actually been way better at it. Um, and you know, I, I, there's lots of players that can play that role, but the more, um, dynamism you can add to your squad, the better. He looks like he's coming straight out of the pub, right under the pitch. I kind of like Of course, some yeah. bet, too. I, I've seen some uh, McGinn highlights where that man scores a lot of bangers. Not normal yeah. goals. He's, he's fun. I So my the first time I heard, like, a, without going too much on a diatribe, the first time I heard John McGinn's name was um, many moons ago when I was still a United fan. Um, they were talking about, you know, Jack Grealish just Jack Grealish that, and then uh, Sir, Sir Alex Ferguson came out and told United like, like to hell with Jack Grealish. You guys should sign John McGinn. Um, and he said that like I don't know four or five years ago. It was, it was like a year after uh, Villa bought him from uh, uh, from Hibs. Um, but yeah, he, I mean, I mean, maybe maybe Alex said that because he's Scottish and you know, all that sort of stuff. But um, that man's in general had a pretty good eye for talent over the years. So um, he's really blossomed under Unai. Oh, so that was a lot of diatribe there, but it's all right. So the name of the, uh, Oh, Matthew hop. He's at, he's at Hibs Hibernian. Oh, yeah. It's a long forgotten uh, USMNT player scored a hat trick for Schalke. <laughs> and then just disappeared into the oblivion. I think he went to Middlesbrough. And then Hibernian, and he'll be in MLS at some point, sucking oh. Don Garber's dong. You know what? Good for him for having a professional career playing soccer. We can only we can only dream. I actually liked when when Matthew Hop Hoppy, whatever it is, was playing for yeah. USMD. I enjoyed it. <laughs> All right, this is going to be a controversial statement here, but uh, left wing is kind of. You know, a position of need, in my opinion. Sonny's getting a little older. Brian Hill ain't it. Brandon Johnson can play on the left, but I think he's preferred out right. So uh, I think we need a succession plan for Sun King Min on the left side. I'd like to see uh, someone come in there. I know he's – people have been super critical, right? Like, I mean, how are you supposed to fucking follow Harry Kane at striker at Tottenham? But that is where – 
That is that is where the the career lengthening happens for Sonny, right? Is him being that striker, and he can play there. He's 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 a he's a really good striker. It's just not natural. I, I think that give him a, you know uh, give him a few years, and he was you know earlier in the season he was way more lethal. Uh, the combination between him and Madison was was sex, right? And so I think getting them back together kind of changes the equation a little bit too. Um, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying about you know solidifying that spot because they've awkwardly played Richarlison out there, which has seemed like a you know square peg in a round hole. Um, Richarlison yeah, striker sure. is probably a more position of need than uh, than left wing. Now that we're talking about it, I don't know if we're going full five like style <laughs> right now, but Richarlison all of a sudden is hot. But before that, Sonny was our best striker all season long. But yeah, he's older. He's uh, captaining the Tottenham Hotspur for sure. Um, excuse me. Last one for me is a little bit, um, kind of uh, doubling down from the last one. I said center mid, um, and, and I say that because you know we've been playing a a really weird four four two, which is really more of a. I don't know how you call it a position, but like, you know, Ali is the striker with either Diaby or Bailey as the other striker, but more playing out on the right. And then the person who would be, you know, out on the left is really playing like kind of inside, which creates space to the left back, which is where our left back, all that sort of stuff. I say that um, as a preface for what I'm about to say is I think we also need a left winger. And, you know, uh, bringing in Zaniolo, he plays left wing. Kinda Ramsey plays left wing. Kinda, um, they're both um, you know uh, players that like to be uh, cut cut into the middle more, play more centrally. I think that on the days when you need to be able to be flexible enough to attack teams on the left wing, or you know reverse the way you attack, it kind of goes hand in hand with having options for a right back that can do what uh, Luca Dean and Alex Moreno do on the left wing, where you could invert that right where. Now you're playing more with a, a wing, a natural winger on the left side, and creating space on the right side for right back to attack this space. Um, having a spot there, I you know whether whether or not we're making uh, Nicolo permanent. Um, you know I like Nicolo. He's he started out well. He hasn't really fully caught on. I think that there's um, you know an opportunity to do something really really exciting in that space, and this is. This is the one name you know, I said I was going to say names, but this is the one name I've been saving, and I'm I, I don't know if I can pronounce it, but it's uh uh, uh Cavalla or whatever from Napoli. Oh uh, yeah, that ain't it. It's a K- KK. I want KK from Napoli. Um, the Georgian kid um plays traditionally on the left uh for Napoli. Um, and he offers what I was just talking about with the other thing, like the dynamism, the the ability to take guys one on one. He reminds me a lot of Leon Bailey, but from attacking from the left side, where he can you know go one on one with people, do something extra, something you know the the thing that makes you stand up out of your seat. Um, and you know Napoli is, um, you know, had a good cycle. Uh, you know they changed coaches and they're struggling a little bit more in Serie A this year. Um, so maybe you can capitalize on the money wise. He would definitely break the transfer record that Diaby sent last year. But you know, if you're talking about getting into Champions League and and continuing the evolution of the formation and the 
attacking options that we have. Um, left wing with a uh, uh, KK from Napoli would be a <laughs> would be a, my my dream transfer, if you will. I shouldn't really be calling you out on names. I've been pronouncing names incorrectly for 152 episodes, so you know. Uh, I know. Uh, I know it's not how I pronounced it. I'll, I'll, I like I said it on the front. A Georgian winger, and he's very talented. So yeah, Rich. my last one's striker and a little backup striker, but I think it's just time for rants because I already kind of mentioned that. Sure. I've got one. Go for it. What the fuck are you waiting for, USL? Now's the time to just institute promotion relegation. No one gives a fuck between League One and Championship. It's all relevant to the fans. Like, no, if you're a fan of, of a USL squad, you don't care whether they're in the championship or League One. And now's the time to strike. MLS is fucking up. People are into the USL championship. What are you waiting for? Institute promotion relegation. And the second part of this is I've heard some rumors that Flower City Union is jumping into League One. And that's all I got there. That's all I got there. No, no, uh, no sources on that. It, uh, it was. What's your, uh, it's what, on internet. You know. I'll say well, if you if you were rating it for, uh, for Nisa USL yes. equivalents, what's the tier? Yeah. Oh, tier three, baby. <laughs> tier three, not not a good source. I think it was on Reddit. I saw they were uh, dropping down to to USL League Two for a year, and then jumping up to League One. I I, I heard. I think this is on the Nisa subreddit if I had to pinpoint it, but don't know. But but what are you waiting for, USL? Get to it. If you want to be serious and if you want to challenge MLS and you want to attract people that are interested in European soccer, what are you waiting for? Institute it now. All right. Well, I uh, I I agree and I disagree with you on, on a certain level. I, I think this is um, – if I'm piggybacking off your rant, I'm going to call it a rant, just sort of continuing to drive discussion around it. Right. I think that I, I, I honestly do think they are interested. And what leads me to believe that more than anything is they, you know, they, they lost San Diego wave or San Diego loyal, excuse me. Wave is the NWSL team. Um, they lost the loyal, but you know, who cares? Um, I think that, you know, they, they have – I think I, I sent a message. I can't remember everybody. I know there's like four teams joining the championship, four or five teams joining the championship over the next like two or three years. Then you have – I think it was like another five teams joining USL1. They are building the the base, right? Like your, your total amount there's of teams. There's 24 based. teams in the championship right now, though. That's enough. But I think you're going you're gonna to – lose some and and move them around that that that's the championship year what was usl though it was like only 12 teams last year so, so you, teams, yep. yeah so if you like i think you need to have 40 between the two uh, to make it to make it balanced and sure. they're, they're they're approaching that like they have they're getting more money um i am i'm they're sitting here like teams in open cup uh, i'm looking I'm licking my lips at the idea that Grand Rapids might someday get a USL championship squad. So like those, like I, I think that I agree with you. Like I'm ready for it now. Like, and you could, you could do it now. It could be messy and I'll fucking love it. Um, but I, I also think that on some level they're doing the things necessary to get there. So I see, 
I, I will say that I still see the vision, even if it feels like they're like backtracking a little bit. I, like I, I can at least from a business wise understand why they might hold off for a minute. Like let's, you know, we we're about to like over the last five years, how many expansion squads joined USL? Like they need a little bit of like, you know, proof in the pudding. Yeah. Stability too. Right. Like I think that's important too, as you, as you go into something completely different, which is promotion relegation. So I, I, I think they're making the right steps. I'm, I still, I'm, I'm a backer, but yeah, of course I'd be ready for it now too. So I don't think that you're wrong in, in wanting it, but I I think it's coming, Mike, be patient. We're going to start a USL uh, pod on this channel. It's going to happen. It's got to happen. hundred percent. Yes, for sure. And it's, yeah, I, I'm just so sick of MLS's bullshit that I'm I'm ready to to really support USL 100. I want Bobcats to move to to USL League One, a la Jake as well. That'd be nice. Yeah. Anyhow, you got a rant. 106 minutes in, and we're dropping some Jake audio into this to this production, yeah. so it's gonna be. A no, I, I I said my I said my piece. I, I think I piggybacked on your USL one, so. I'm uh, I'm good to go, man. It's uh you know what uh this will be our last pod for before Christmas. So uh, I will say to you and, and Jake uh, when he listens to both of you, very Merry Christmas. I l- super look forward to doing this pod with you guys. If nothing else, just to talk soccer with with uh, people who are as passionate about it as I am. Um, you know, I have some friends that love soccer and I, I like our little epfl group that we have for fantasy and stuff like that that's fun um but, you know getting face to face with you guys and having these these conversations are a, a big part of my week and i'm glad we do them and i, I look forward to continuing to do them uh you know as we go into next year yeah and i appreciate you and jake kind of uh pulling the weight this year i was a little less motivated but every time i get on i'm i'm pretty happy for it and you know, truth be told, I've been uh, dealing with some, you know, rather nasty anxiety issues all fall. Like, you know, if anybody's out there with air hunger, it's pretty fucking brutal anxiety symptoms. So kind of helps mm-hmm. me stave it off a bit and uh, gives me something to look forward to throughout the week. So I, I appreciate you guys uh, tuning in. And to any, anybody out there that's still listening 108 minutes in, thanks for tuning in and reach out to us. We're always happy to have a guest on uh, anyone that's as passionate as us to talk soccer is always welcome on the podcast. So reach out to unless us. It, on, uh, unless it's MLS so you can fuck off. You know, yeah, we have some MLS. I, I think I've alienated some people on X lately, but <laughs> it is. What's what it is. Fuck MLS. Goodbye.